Hello and welcome back to the InStyle Style Icons podcast series. We're here talking again to inspirational figures in the hairdressing community as they lend their advice and insights to the salon industry at large. I'm your host, Shannon Gus, editor of InStyle, and in episode three, we spoke to Dyson ambassador, salon owner, and multi-award winning editorial hairdresser, Damien Ronaldo, about his early career challenges, highlights, and broader advice for the industry. It's a discussion not to be missed, and we hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the InStyle Style Icons podcast, where we talk to inspiring figures from the hairdressing community to get some advice and some learnings from their inspirational careers. And I think that we have a great one today, someone I think we can definitely learn from because he is a multi-award winning hairdresser, Australian of the Year, salon owner and brand ambassador. It is the great Damien Ronaldo. Damien, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I mean, I'm excited to talk to you. And as we've been saying with these podcasts, like we're hoping to really get like a lot out of it, a lot of insights. And I think your career can really provide that. So thank you for being here. Yeah, cheers. No problems. Anytime. We have a lot to talk about. I first want to ask how you're going. I mean, it's a bit of a different one than we've had with the podcast before, which have been people in Sydney. You're in Adelaide, but you are also like, as we've said, a global ambassador for brand, someone who has like a high flying career and COVID has its impact in its way, the snap lockdown. So how has it been over the last couple of years? Oh, look, it's been interesting. I mean, we haven't had the same, like, struggles as we do in Melbourne or Sydney at the, as it is right now. We've definitely had lockdowns still, so has been a bit challenging at times and making sure everyone's, you know, managing. For me, I guess the hugest thing is not travelling as much and being home more and not knowing when we'll be back overseas, doing work and stuff like that. So you just have to sort of keep moving with the time and keep working with what's happening at the moment as it is. So, but really fortunate to be in South Australia where the business has been affected, but nowhere near as much as some other cities of Australia yeah. and the world. It must be yep. a strange thing for you to look at, you know, because everyone I think has their own experience with it and you are part of this national industry and you're seeing people that you work with go through it in a different way. So it must be a bit of a strange thing to look at it from your perspective and being in Adelaide, which has had its own challenges, but really had their own experience with it. Yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating too looking at it because I think people only look really in their own back gardens a lot of times, you know. So, I mean, I think everyone knows what's going around in Australia, but unless you're there and I know some of my friends in Melbourne and Sydney and I know how many, what sort of challenges they're having with their businesses and just not knowing when they're going to be open or, you know, trying to retain staff and like, you know, trying to get back going again. It's, 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 it's really hard for them. So I think that sometimes we can live in our own bubbles, but uh, for me, because I've, got these um, great friendships around Australia and industry people that I do hear their stories. So I find it a bit hard. I really feel for them a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, well, let's talk about maybe something a bit more optimistic and that is, as we've said, yeah, you know, that's right. bit- yes, it can be, it can be it's something we need to talk about with COVID, but it can be a little sad to talk about it all the time. So hopefully we're providing some distraction by kind of telling the listeners that's right. how you started out in this great career. Obviously we know you got to some enormous heights, but where were your beginnings in, in hair? Well, I, I really, I, I was a, a typical hairdresser, I guess, of, of my generation where we didn't really work out at school and I didn't really want to be there. So I got the opportunity to start, you know, doing some work experience in a hair salon on Thursday nights, Saturdays. And really, because school was getting harder for me, <laughs> because I was getting to that, that year, you know, at the end of year 10 and year 11 and 12, obviously, you had to study. You know, I'd gone through school really bluffing my way all that mm-hmm. time. So I think, you know, back then, kids dropped out quite frequently so for me I got give, offered an apprenticeship and I went okay and I'm leaving and there wasn't much really thought in it um, 
and I thought it was kind of cool. I'd been working with all these girls and it was fun and I was starting to earn some money. So I really, it was, it's kind of interesting now when I look at my own children, how much more thought I put in what they're doing next in their lives compared to back when I just sort of went, okay, I'm not going anymore. And pretty much my mum and dad said, well, if you've got a job, you can leave. And that was it. That was a conversation. Mm-hmm. It was such a, a quick thing to do. And I guess I was really lucky that I, um, I went to a, a really highly high-end salon that really had high standards and and I guess the competitive person that I was because I was always really into sport as a young as a young man so I think I went to a salon that really was interested in doing competitions and being the best and that competitiveness really struck me straight away so that was a I think I was, I was a bit lucky too that I was able to get a job in such a good salon like that so which worked for my personality and yeah. I, you know that really drove me yeah yeah, I mean, so you start off getting the job and then the competitiveness. Is that really what sparked more of the passion to make it like a full career and obviously to get to the places you've gone to in here? Yeah, I think so. Because I think we're not like a lot of times when you're leaving school that time, I mean, you, you've got a bravado because you think, oh, I don't need this. But a lot of it's, you know, insecurities and you're not good enough. And really, you know, no one ever told me that I could be good at school or stuff like that. There, there was no communication on that. So I felt like, oh, this is not for me and I'm leaving. So to get in an environment where I saw people being really proud of what they were doing and being successful. And, you know, when you see people get up and win an award for like haircutting and things like that, that's where it all started for me. I was like, yeah, that's for me. I, Cause I want to prove myself still. Cause really when I got out of school, I, I mean, I, I still remember one of my school teachers saying to me, Oh yeah, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that real sarcasm of, yeah, good luck. You know? So I think that, they, that stuff really drove me because I, Ultimately, deep down, I did want to be successful and I wanted to do something with myself, but I just hadn't been given the vehicle to do it yet. And school didn't really offer that for me at that stage. I didn't really come across any teachers that really put me under their wing and got me going. You know, it was just sort of left to your own devices. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's such an interesting thing about the hair industry is how much the industry really does nurture younger talents with awards for apprentices and up and coming talents. And is that something that you've really taken now being obviously in a position of seniority is just realizing how taking someone under your wing and really igniting a spark in them can really start like a whole career for some of the younger people that are, you know, under your care or in your salon? Oh, a hundred percent. And for me, like when I started that, and I guess it's something that really is a, a, a strong you know, a, a pillar of my what I'm about is that, you know, creating milestones for people, you know. And so when young people come into your – and I was creating milestones myself when I started, so I didn't realise I was doing that, but it was like the next step to the next step. So for me, you know, developing these things that make them feel good about themselves and, and having success and that is a real important part about getting their self-confidence up and knowing that it's worth doing and they can feel good about themselves and feel confident who they are. So I, I really, a lot of that is, you know, that's the backbone of all, all my sort of education and my, with my staff or when I'm teaching people, it's all about creating great milestones so you can get to that next step again. Mm, I love that. Hopefully some listeners will take from that because it is so important. And as you're an example of, as you said, like that really sparked something in you and then you go on to have this career. And I mean, I want to talk about some of those highlights in your career. I've definitely seen you on stage accepting more than one award. What what would you say you look back on as like particular highlights in the career that's full of highlights? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been so fortunate to have a lot of highlights and um, with when it comes to winning awards and there can be a bit of luck in that too, but a lot of hard work. But I, um, I guess it's, when I'm talking about what we're talking about with young people is that really that first award's one of the most important. It was like a junior drive to me and I went into a competition and, you know, I was, my senior staff members were really invested in the younger staff at, that was at Hair Machine and 
they you know taught me how to blow dry this girl's hair over and over again and I hit the stage and I went on there and did this blow dry and to win first place uh, you know it was like a huge moment for me and I was like yeah I'm doing I'm doing well and and with that came my first trip to Melbourne for national competitions which is my first time I'd ever um, caught a plane in my whole life I'd mm-hmm. never you know I came from quite a poor background so we didn't travel. There was no holidays. You know, I think we'd had one beach holiday my whole life. So that was my first time I got on a plane at like 16 years of age because I won this junior blow dry competition. So that's a you know significant thing. That. Yeah. Looking looking back because that got that that was that first sort of milestone in my career. That then obviously you get the hunger and you build from there. So you know, and and you learn too because sometimes you don't win over over the next you know following years. You didn't it didn't always go your way. So you have to learn to. I, I remember being in a competition and I um, I think it was my third year and I had a good run to it. And this is IHS competition. So this is live on stage and you're cutting hair and blow drying. So it's a real it's a skills meet, it's skills tested, you know. So great training because you're up there in front of judges. You get 35 minutes to cut, do a haircut or a blow dryer or an upstyle. So I was, remember that. And I think I got a third place and I stormed out of, I stormed out of there. You know what I mean? Like I thought mm-hmm. it was the worst thing in the world. And I look back now like, you know, that's still an amazing milestone for anybody, but that was that sort of competitive edge. So you have to sort of learn to, you know, that it's not always going to go your way. You know, it doesn't always go your way. And, you know, so they're really significant things that it's not just going to happen instantly just because you want it to. So, yeah, you know, you learn those, those important lessons, definitely. How do you feel you built from that, from coming third in this IHS competition, from winning some junior competitions to doing something like standing yeah. up, receiving so, the yeah. award for Australian Hairdresser of the Year? I mean, that is an extreme ascent. Like, there must have been a lot of hard work that went into that journey. Yeah. I guess when you go back from the third, and that's <laughs> a silly one, I'm, it's really tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, I didn't give up. I went to my room and I was, you know, I went to my other, I was living at home with my parents still, and I didn't really talk to anyone for about a week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so it was ridiculously, you know, exaggerated. <laughs> but but then you sort of got back on the horse straight away, and that's always it. You give yourself a bit of time to get over something, and then you've got to get back going again. And then, I mean, the following year, I think I ended up winning, um, I won Apprentice of the Year. And then in this, the same year, the fourth year, won Australian Headress of the Year in ITS competition. So... I was very driven, you know. I just kept training and focused, and it kept, you know, kept my eye on on the ball. And so, those sort of things were, you know, significant things. So, you, you know, you have to have the losses to get to learn how to get better. And I guess after that, after those awards, there was a huge gap for a long time when I was entering colour trophy and awards like that, where I didn't get success straight away, but I I didn't give up. And I think people always see the end result when you, you get to the the top but they don't realise that there's a lot of years before that. I think it took me a good, I don't know, it could have been eight or nine years of entering colour trophy before I won Australian colour trophy for L'Oreal. So, you know, so that was a huge milestone for me because that was something that didn't come. I was pretty lucky as as a young hairdresser in IHS where those awards came on pretty quick. But then for that one, that was challenging because I was against all the best colourists in Australia and I was coming out of my depth as photography. So... I was learning all the time. So I definitely had challenges there. But that's where you learn to be resilient and keep going and, and, and keep working towards that. And and you just meet people on, on the journey. I remember the first time I worked with Ian Golding, who was Benny Tognini's photographer back in the day um, in Queensland. And, you know, just you just grab the bits of belief that you want from people. Don't take the negativity and really listen to the people that do believe in you. I remember him was going, oh, you'll get there, Damien. Don't worry. We, you know, the, I've seen it before. You've got the drive. Keep working hard. Never give up. 
And I just choose to hang on to those words in my head, and I always have, compared to sometimes you do get told, ah, oh, you know, you won't win that, or, you know, only people from South uh, Sydney will win, or someone from Queensland. You know, people have that sort of sometimes can be quite like a, a problem of someone else. You know, like, you know, you're not going to be able to do it because it's something's, you know, wrong with the system, but, you know, you're just going to keep working hard. So I always choose to look at the positive side of things, not the negative things that you get heard or hear along the way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to ask about some of those obstacles. Was it really through the competition process or was there more stuff around it? Obviously, you've had such a varied career in the salon world, as we've said, like with brands as well. So where else have you found challenges that you've overcome through some of these mantras that you're talking about? Well, I think it's, and I came from a different, you know, different um, generation where there was no social media. So, you know, you could, you know, you could be, people could know you where you're from, like in South Australia or something, but no one else knew you in another city or let alone across the world like it is now. Like, you know, so you you have those challenges of trying to create your brand or the person that you are and your profile. It wasn't as easy back then because of the fact that there wasn't this whole, you know, juggernaut that social media is now where you, you know, that, and that's what's amazing about social media, that you can see the best hairdressers from anywhere around the globe, you know, and, and watch their work. It's something that, you know, that you like to look at. So, but back then it wasn't like that. So it was quite challenging that you sort of had to do everything like uh, 10 times better than someone else just to be noticed a little bit because you were from South Australia or, you know, you went from one of the big city salons or something like that. So they're, they're definitely challenges. Yeah. I mean, I want to hear more about like beyond the competitions where you found highlights in your career or some just like amazing moments because you know in the salon world maybe or even in in the high-flying brand ambassador life like what are some pinch me moments that oh. you look back on oh you know i mean i guess that's a big one pinch me moment now like one of the biggest ones i think like you know i've got to travel all around the world for laurel professional and dyson and dyson professional so really it's been now when you've been grounded for the last couple of years mm. you realize how incredible those moments were and i mean Going to, you know, going to Paris, going to London, to headquarters of Dyson, um, you know, working in Portugal, uh, Spain, uh, I mean, all these places, all through Asia. I mean, I've been very fortunate and very, very lucky, you know, that I was able to do that. And hopefully I'll get a chance to do it again. But it's when you're doing it, it's work. So you do get a little bit, it can be tiring, you know, it can be really hard to keep that motivation to get back on a flight again and get away and, and then the challenges are when you come back to your business because you are away, especially overseas, it's a big one because generally even if you work for a week overseas, you're away for a couple of weeks. And and normally before you go away, you're anxious about the work you have to do in another country because it's, you know, you don't want to let anyone down and you want to do a great job for your brand. So, you know, you're a little bit off the game before you leave your business and then then you do the job and, some, and you know, it ends up being hopefully great and you you do a good job of it and then you come back to work and you're tired Mm so so you know so to keep that sort of thing going where you're you've got this thing where you travel and do your work but then you still have your business which is your you know your you know your love it's it's not it's challenge that is a massive challenge for a lot of hairdressers and I think over the years I've seen that quite a bit with hairdressers that have a lot of work outside of the salon but then still have a salon so I find that that can be one of the most more challenging things. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand in terms of, like, the the traveling I was doing domestically in my personal life, and definitely I felt like 
I could go a little bit of time, like just without traveling for a bit. And then the pandemic hit and now like I'll never take it for granted again. So I think if the pandemic has given us anything, it's kind of not taking those things for granted and appreciating them. But I'd love to know what you put in place with your business. As you're saying, like you're juggling all these balls. How do you put things in place with your salon to ensure that success, even while you're doing so many other things in the industry? Yeah, I think that, um, uh, well, I had to learn. You know, so yeah. I had I've made mistakes over the years, definitely. So, and you know, you have to take responsibility of what happens in your own business. You can't blame like something's wrong with your staff. It's it's easy to blame the staff. But you have to look at yourself. You're the leader. You know, you're the one that does it. So, I guess the thing that I I just became very aware of knowing that that would be a problem from away too often. So, some of the things I did do at the start the strategy was not if I felt like the salon was a bit unsteady, I wouldn't go away. So, not running away. You know what I mean? So, I'd say, look. I can't do that job. Um, I've got a few work commitments. So, and then I, you know, knowing that I've got control. So, because you know, you don't want to come back to a business that's in ruins and you've got no senior staff members, you've got no staff anymore, and you can't pay your bills. So, I think getting the balance right and knowing that if you say no to a job, sometimes it's okay. Um, you know, it, it makes that easy as you get more of a higher profile and you get better at your job. But those things are really important. I think acknowledging that you're a bit to your staff that you know you know you're going into this and they know your behaviour as well. So I'm very honest about what I'm feeling, you know, and I'll say sorry, guys, I've just come back and I'm a bit tired, you know. So make sure because I'm quieter today it doesn't mean I'm upset with anybody, and you know, just really good open communication because mm. it's amazing what people put into their heads. You know, you walk back in from travelling and you're tired and you might not t- say the same things you normally say. You might be a bit quieter and they'll think something's wrong and then that can play on their brain, something's wrong. So I think just being really uh, super open with your staff members about what's going on and what you're doing and communicating better about what's coming up as well and and appreciating it, you know, appreciating that they're there working when you're not there. So they're simple things and they're simple values probably too, but there's some of those things we forget to do at times. And um, so, but yeah, the, the balance is a massive one. I think you've got to keep a perspective, you know, and I, as much as I love what I do, traveling and, and doing my work and it's still who it is who I am and I guess that's one thing I do explain to my staff too and I try to bring them along as much as possible and get them involved in it. Yeah I think what you're saying is there's a real strong message of inclusivity is what I'm hearing from that it's like bringing them along and at the very least communicating because if you have outside activities it can feel quite external to I guess to your business and it's about trying to marry those things probably as much as possible where they don't feel like they're completely left out of that or at least they kind of are you know understanding your journey with that so that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, 100%. And, 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 and like you can say that people should understand, but if that's if you're coming back and people are not happy working where they're working, I mean, that's not – you've got to take that on board and you've got to make sure those changes happen. So, And I think over the years looking at so many high-profile hairdressers, that, that has been a massive challenge for most hairdressers that travel quite a bit mm-hmm. out of their businesses to keep their businesses – you know, really rocking and rolling as as well as that as well. And I guess making a priority too. Like your business, for me, my business is number one. My people are my number one. And I, and I let them know that all the time. So and I guess if you keep it prioritised like that, I think, and they know you're prioritising your business over everything else, most of the time they, they, they're happy with that. You know, they feel better about it. They're not that it's all about me and it doesn't matter what happens here when I'm not here because I'm traveling the world or I'm in Sydney doing something or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think 
as long as, as long as they know that they're your, still their number one priority because they, you know, they they work inside your environment, part of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think that's number one thing. For sure. I mean, on the other side of that coin, as we're saying, the travel is now stopped and you are a Dyson ambassador and continue to be without, you know, necessarily the jet setting that's happening at the moment. But I'd love to know how you're staying inspired and creative at the moment. And even especially with, you know, the Dyson tools, because they're still innovating. And we've talked about on the podcast, like the flyaway attachment that just came out. Like, is that something that's kind of igniting that spark, even if you are grounded? Yeah, it, it, look, and, and, and I guess Dyson's really... It's been amazing for me in the last sort of two COVID because because we do so much media with with Dyson as well. There's still a chance for us to do a lot more communicating. It might be from Adelaide to interstate or something like that, but you're still you're still working, you're still talking and being inspired by what you're saying and you know, working with inside Dyson. So I think that's uh, that's been really critical and good for me because I think a long before that I really relied on doing show work a lot and being on stage and doing big events and things like that have really dried up because <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously, uh, you know, you can't do big events at the moment. Um, so I think for Dyson, that's, it's been really incredible for me. And then still seeing all the new tools coming through, like the flyaway and like when you see stuff like that, it just blows you away that this, how their thought process is about what people really need at home. It's all about people doing their hair, which I think is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been in Adelaide, so you've had been able to work with clients as well with that and staff. So have you seen, you've been probably one of the few in Australia at the moment who've been able to see kind of the reaction to the innovations coming out. So what's that been like as well? Well, it's, just, it's great because, I mean, the thing is when I've had my uh, my partnership with, with Dyson is that it's such, it's such a brand with great, great values. And I think as consumers and people coming to my salon and that, people know that, you know, they, they trust, it's a trusted brand. So when they bring new things out, it's even with a new flyaway, which has got this this weird this weird shape to it, like mm-hmm. a vacuum in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but you sort of want to try it because you trust it because you know like everything else they bring out normally works amazingly well, and it's a it's a great idea. And um, yeah, I just I don't even know how they come up with it to be honest. It's, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, science. <laughs> I think the, oh, I do know how they come up with it, but but they do but they they work heavily with hairdressers and that's the thing i think that's one of the most amazing things about dyson when i, I was able to travel to uh, Milesbury in 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 the uk that you know they really value what hairdressers do and what people problems people will have with their hair and they ask a million questions about why we do things how we do it why would you do that and when you're going through that so I guess even with the flyaway attachment, and this is me assuming, but, you know, it could have been a question like, you know, why are you doing that with supersonic blow dryer? And you're saying, oh, because you need to get the flyaways away from the hairline, you know, so that's really important. And they probably came up, okay, that's something that people have to deal with. Don't get that that communication going. Don't find out the information. So, and it's something people have to deal with. Just going there and experiencing the, with, the, with the engineers and, you know, you get put in a room for a couple of days, for two days. Um, you have engineers walking in, and it's pretty simple. It's pretty basic stuff, and they get you doing hair and using tools and new things they're thinking about doing in the future, like over eight years. <laughs> so some things you might never see. Some things will be dropped somewhere down the line. Some things are right at the end, just about to be produced, uh, uh, you know, in, in production. Um, you, you know, they're really asking questions of why you do this and how you do it. And they watch what you do with your hands and how you use the tools. And it's pretty advanced research, but in a basic form. It's just going to the source and finding out 
So I think that's why you you're finding that the the instruments of Dyson are just they're really becoming you know a must have for most most hairdressers now as well. Yeah, such a consistent theme I feel through all of this that communication is key. Communication through hairdressers and brands or between salon staff and I would totally agree with that and I think there are so many great insights here that hopefully the listeners can take around you know the way that you've gone through competitions and worked your way up through that and and communication and managing staff and juggling the, the career that you've had. When you you know you do have a career to aspire to, you are someone that people look up to are there main points of advice that you have for people at any phase of the industry whether it's other salon owners, whether it's managers, whether whether it's people just starting out, like, do you have some key advice that you feel has really shaped your career that you can give? The bit of you know knowledge that I remember hearing it, and I always and I always keep this in my in my back pocket is that you know whatever you want to do is going to be hard. So when it gets hard, it it shouldn't be unexpected or a surprise because life when you want to do if things and achieve and do well and anything you do, it's not going to be easy, and that's generally the way it works. So. So knowing that it's going to be hard and knowing that you know, if you're climbing a mountain, you get told it's hard. When it does get hard, you sort of go, okay, I knew this was coming. You know, so now I'm ready to keep going instead of it being a surprise for you. So you know, you've got to always know that things aren't going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And you know, for me, I just always take ownership of everything that I'm around and do. So you know, maybe a, and sometimes a bit too much, I guess, in some ways, but that's good. I think that's what, you know, like, inside my salon and my business, it's my responsibility to me. It's there for me to inspire my people to, to be great and be proud of who they are. So mm-hmm. there's no way around it. I, I, I don't like negative talk about staff. I really find that if I'm at a table somewhere at a hair event and, and people start talking negatively about stuff, I really turn off quite quickly. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just a waste of, waste of um, conversation. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, if you need to do that. You need to change those things. You're the leader. You lead. You know what I mean? If you're having challenges, you need to find ways of working it out and fixing it, you know? And that's yeah. what we're all doing. And that's, I'm sure that's what's going to be happening now too. And back to Sydney and Melbourne and that, when they come back to their salons, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's tough, but they're going to have to work through getting their teams back on the floor again. And they're going to be busy, but they're going to have people that haven't been working a lot either. So it's going to be difficult too because um, I feel that, you know, with, our industry, you know, hairdressers, especially people who are very creative, which hairdressers are generally, we have a, we all have our little glitches and our mental health issues anyway, like that. And it's just part of our makeup because we're creative. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be quite big focuses when you get back into your business and you just have to, you're going to have to find ways around it and really be positive and get it going. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot on the leaders, I feel, at the moment, as you're saying, because it's a difficult time and because it should come down, I think, to the leaders, as you're saying. And But you have to take that accountability. I totally agree that it is about you know, as much as we care about ourselves and we have to be looking out for ourselves and you talk about like juggling things in your own career, it's always thinking about your team and your staff beyond that, which can be difficult. But like that is what it is to be a leader for sure. Yeah, and, and the thing is like if everyone could own a business, you know, they would, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's not for everybody and staff, one of those things and, and creating a team environment and all that, they're difficult things or everyone would just open a business up and try to make money, wouldn't they? So it's, it is only for the people that really want to do it. So, but you know, it's going to be, it's challenging, you know, not, it will be challenging in those, in the bigger cities. It's been challenging for everyone, but you know, the one thing we've got as an industry, which I think is amazing that people want to get their hair done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really do. It's like, I think I think it's gone toilet paper first and then hairdressing yes. second, you know. So 
<laughs> and only even my experience that people just want to get their hair. And like when we had our, our, our mini lockdowns and stuff like that, like as soon as the lockdown gets announced, our phone doesn't stop ringing. Like people have to make sure their bookings are coming in, whether can they change it? Mm-hmm. Like it's hair, you'll be okay. So I yeah. guess that's one of the wonderful things about the hair industry. We offer so much to people. I think that people, it's one of those really um, significant things for people. They, you'll get people back in the salons. Yeah, and we say that if the pandemic's offered anything, it's not taking things for granted. I think for the clients, it really has been never taking their hairdresser for granted ever again. My mom was saying that if she could bubble with anyone, one person, it would be her hairdresser. So I feel like at the very least, what we've got is people knowing how important the industry is at a time where take it away for even a few days and people lose their minds and they get their hair done. Yeah, and I think I've got one of my clients comes in and it's really interesting. She's a bit of, she's one of those worker be- working people. So she doesn't really have to, Conversate heavily with the with the staff, and I probably think she probably like that in her whole life. But and she coming back in after the last lockdown, going, you know, I really forgot how much I appreciate coming to the hairdresser because we're nice and we're chatty and we talk about cool mm. things and make it fun for people. And people miss that sort of that that social element to it, you know. So and obviously people want their hair to look good as well. So yeah, I think people um, definitely hairdressing is one of those things high in priority for people. Yeah, definitely a nice reminder to hear that from the client, how important the hair industry is. Like in 100 years when the world's been taken over by robots, not the hair industry. Like that will still be an industry that people can invest in. No, they'll they'll leave us alone. They'll say, look, all right, everyone can go, but we're going to keep the hairdressers because they're going to do people's hair. Exactly. I I totally agree. Well, on that very positive note, Damien, thank you so much for talking to us. I think people will get a lot out of this. You've definitely gone through it in your career to get to such amazing places. And thank you so much for giving those insights to the listeners. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks. Thank you once again for listening, and we hope you got something out of our discussion with Damien. We certainly enjoyed it. Remember to subscribe to the Style Icons newsletter at styleicons.com.au so you never miss an episode of the podcast or any salon news. You can also follow InStyle Hair Mag on Instagram and InStyle Style Icons on Facebook to get updates, news, and content from InStyle and Style Icons. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.